the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on 860 AM, The Answer. The show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial market, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown. My co-host, Mark Hunt, we're hoping he's going to be on today. Uh, but until he does, we have a special guest uh, who has been on with us many times before. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during the show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. Today's trivia theme is entertainment. And today's special guest, as we've had him on, and we'll probably have him on once a month, financial advisor and uh, I could say best-selling author, can I? Yeah, I'm the world record holder for uh, winners of awards in the in in a business history. So I guess I'm an award winner. Right, so, okay, there we go. Uh, Ken Winans. Uh, Ken, uh, welcome back, of course, to uh, the best of investing. Um, now you said uh, off air, you were telling me that you were interviewed recently on ABC. Yeah, I, ABC Radio has me on uh, every week, and uh, just literally last night, it was the talk was about just the uh, the inflation situation, and of course. Uh, it's comical how the people who were telling us that the inflation was going to be temporary are now telling us, oh, inflation's hit its high point. It's not going to go any higher. And I told Frank Motek, who's the host of that show at ABC of Los Angeles, I said, Frank, tell that Fed governor I will make a $200 bet with him that he's wrong, uh, that there's no proof that it's just going to suddenly slow down. And I said, I don't think any of the listeners in your audience suddenly think gas is going to suddenly start going down to the pump in a week. Okay, so yeah, what on what basis were the, quote, experts saying that it hit a peak based on what kind of data? What were they thinking? Yeah, they're, well, they claim they have data to support it, but when I go, I mean, it depends how far back I guess you want to go, but when I look at the 70s, well, okay, this is a good question, Edward, because if you were to look at just forget any other inflationary cycle, let's just look at the 70s, there were periods of time that it surged, and then it would slow down a little bit, and then it would surge higher, and slow down a little bit, but it was an upward moving trend, Yeah. so if 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 the Fed governor was stating at that for this leg of inflation, it's going to hit a high point. Maybe you can make an interim argument for that. But to say that, nope, it's all over. It's going to stop right here. It's not going to go any higher. And when you ask them, well, why? Uh, and they say, well, that, that's just, that's what we think. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd like to believe, uh, excuse the pun, I'd like to believe in the Easter Bunny too. But yeah. uh, no, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, and, and when they they talk about the eight per eight and a half percent, 
are they're not including gas, are they? Energy prices? Well, you see, they like to play with the numbers, and yeah. that's the thing that's interesting. Um, I, I always find it funny when they say, "Well, we're going to look at inflation, but we're going to take out food and energy." The two main parts. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, and and they do that, and I would argue, and and it is true that on any one month in and out, you can have some fluctuations. But I would argue that if you're looking at it over a long period of time, you should include those into yeah. the inflation calculation because everybody on the planet uses those two commodities. Sure, why don't they do it just based on typewriters? Okay, that's going to be the CPI from now on. What are the price of typewriters? Yeah. Uh, well, they haven't gone up in the last 30 years, so uh, there's no inflation. <laughs> well, buddy, you're dating yourself because most yes. people listening to your show don't even know what a typewriter is anymore. <laughs> so, you know, it's all relative. Uh, but no, you know, and that's the thing. But, you know, getting back to the basic common sense argument, the cost of living is going up. See, I, I would even go as far as to say, I think, there are things that should be included in inflation that we don't include. One of them is taxation. Oh, if you raise yeah. taxes, yeah. which we're probably going to see, I could argue that that is inflationary. You're taking away money that yeah. people could otherwise use, which is what inflation does. Inflation yeah. takes away your buying power. Yeah. Taxation takes away your buying power. But they don't include that because by doing so, the government will be a willing conspirator in the inflation sure. problem. But again, that that's just it all. It's beauties in the eyes of the beholder. But with that being said, I think that you know one, everybody knows the cost of living is going up. Two, uh, it's not going to be remedied anytime soon. I mean, you, you know, you and Mark are real estate experts. Yeah. The housing shortage, uh, the getting the material to build new houses. Yeah. We're now looking at banks contracting credit. How are developers going to have the money to, I mean, you can say that some of these things are just not going to be fixed in this end of the cycle. Well, most of it seems to, uh, the two things I can really point to, A, is, uh, you know, us not being energy independent, uh, you know, producing uh, the oil that we need to. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, in, in money just uh, being printed with the gas, you know, put some, put some gasoline in the printing press and just keep spending money that we don't have. I mean, that, there you go. Uh, you're right. And I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because I literally I say it all the time, you know, that, that the people who work in Washington or in the various state capitals, including Sacramento, you almost feel like sending them a high school economics textbook yeah. and tell them you might guys might want to go back and review this section on inflation. When you continue to issue debt, debt on top of debt on top of debt yeah. and, and debt. I mean, most of us know debts need to be repaid. Yeah. Um, or they have to be refinanced or they'll and, do a global reset. Yeah. Or yeah. Or God forbid if that happens, because we're yeah. talking about something very, uh, very nasty. Uh, but the point is that they don't, they, they seem to, um, whether they understand it or they just feel that the problems that they're going to take care of today warrant further indebtedness to be dealt with down the road. But now the, 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 it, the, the chickens come home to roost it, and the roosting is inflation. And the problem is that now, and actually it's interesting, I've, I've been thinking a lot about why has Jay Powell and the rest of the Fed members taken such a more conservative tact about raising interest rates and not doing what Paul Volcker was forced to do. And I honestly believe that it was that they're trying to give various public agencies time to refinance their debt. Uh, you know, even if it just goes out five years. Uh, whereas if they jack up rates, if they pull up Paul Volcker today, it would throw such a monkey wrench into pretty much, you name it, 
any government entity uh, that budgetarily they would be, um, they'd probably be insolvent well, if you want to go worst case scenario. All right. We're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're, we're going to continue on with our economics uh, course here. <laughs> okay. Uh, entertainment is our uh, trivia question. And if, again, Ken, if you know the answer, don't say anything until we get back. First trivia question. What did the seven war- dwarfs do for a living? Remember seven Snow White and the seven dwarfs? What was their profession? All right. That's our trivia question. Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my special guest, Ken Winans. Here's our uh, first trivia question. Uh, What did the seven dwarfs do for a living? You know, I know a lot of stuff, but my memory is totally blanking on the seven dwarves. They said, uh, hi ho, hi ho, it's off to work we go. Wasn't one a woodcutter? Didn't they cut down wood? Uh, No, they were miners. 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 Yeah. All right. There we go. All right. Now that brings a question Were they unionized? Uh, Back then, I don't think so. Someone, some some taller dwarf was uh, busting the unions back then. Okay, um, you know it, it's funny. I was thinking about the, we were talking about inflation, and then I was thinking about some of these people who are being taught socialism is is a good thing, and they have no clue. Um, you, you you hear all these interviews and these people, they just coming out of the woodwork with these Marxist ideas of, of how, you know, nobody should own property and, you know, no, and I'm thinking, okay, I'd like to ask these people, do you own a car? Well, yeah, I own a car. Well, why? They, no, everybody should be able to just go and take your keys and use your car if you don't need it. How do you feel about that? How about your tennis shoes? No, you know, we need some of your clothes. I mean, it's, well, it's just ridiculous. Edward, here's the thing that's interesting. So when was the last time that socialism was really in vogue? The 70s. Europe. Think about Europe, the UK, universal health care. Europe was embracing socialism post-World War II, new model, new way of thinking. Hey, you know what the you know the communists are doing something kind of interesting. We should adopt hybrid some of what the Soviets are doing. Turned out to be a disaster, as we both know. Yeah. No, the, the, this stuff is cycling. It cycles and cycles and cycles. And it is, but it, it is astounding that history is a cruel teacher because what seems to happen is that it, it happens just long enough apart yeah. that the, the people who lived it and worked it at that time are no longer in that camp. I mean, I, I find it astounding that we, and, and you, you've been in your business a long time as I've been, yeah. you got, you and I are kind of like the last of the Jedi Knights. <laughs> I mean, we're, but, but you basically have had 30 years and that we now have a financial service industry that has been completely caught blindsided by the inflation thing. But why? Because the people in the financial service industry right now, and I'm including real estate brokers, uh, financial planners, wealth managers, insurance people, you name it, everybody in financial services, they have they were not even really, many of them were, were barely around in the 70s and remember inflation. So their entire education, they knew nothing about an inflation rate in the United States that ran between 1% and 3%. Yeah. And it was just something not to worry about. It's kind of like 
why worry about an earthquake? We know it can happen. Yeah. How many do we really worry about it day in and day out? No, no. most people don't. Well, but and, when it hits, it hits. And and it's funny how like I tell not just my kids, but other people who are younger. I mean, I still remember bank money market rates at sixteen yeah. percent. Bank, yeah. you go to the bank and deposit your money at sixteen percent. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, me too. I mean, I was, I was uh, back in that day. I was working, and I the things that I remember was putting. I you could have money in a savings account at the bank, and you were paid well. Yeah. You know, I I remember walking into I because I started investing in stocks when I was sixteen, and I remember walking into a Dean Witter. I'm dating myself, Dean Witter. Yeah, Dean Witter. And, and you're gonna laugh. They had tickers going off. Tick yeah. tick 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 tick. Yeah. I heard the tickers. I mean, so, I mean, it, it's not that long ago, but the thing that I, I worry about is this, um, it's, it is, there is a hubris that we have today, which is that somehow we are smarter than the people of the past. Well, I'm, I don't agree with that. And number two, and I hear this all the time, well, it's different today because we have technology. And I, and I literally just said to a group of people, I said, well, I don't know if I agree with that, because back in the 70s, we had just landed 12 men on the moon and had this breakthrough technology called computers that I would argue had a bigger impact then than what we are dinking around with our phones doing now, as far as an impactful, impactful. major change. I mean, well, so you and I can watch a movie on my phone is hardly to me impactful. Yeah. Just being here, here's the biggest thing. People haven't changed. Right. And so, you know, one of the reasons that communism, socialism and all that kind of stuff doesn't work is that people are greedy. I mean, the interesting thing here that I'm finding, and I, I'm pretty sure that this is United States wide, we can all watch TV and see what's going on between Putin and Ukraine and all that. And, and I don't know anybody who is on the side of, of Russia. I mean, it seems like everybody, conservative or liberal, everybody seems to be on the side of, of Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. and, and yet we can kind of look and go, well, communism is in, uh, and socialism and all that kind of Marxist stuff seems to be in Russia. And you would think that people look at that and go, you know what, this probably is not a good way. And, and what, I, what I remember, I remember teaching high school uh, at the, uh, in teaching, excuse me, economics in high school. And I found a book that went back to, uh, it was it was a Christian based one, but and it was very accurate. And they talked about the pilgrims when they first came over. They thought, let's run this like the, a first century church, you know, very communal, you know, type. Yeah. And uh, we'll all everyone will just share as everyone has a need. Well, the problem is, uh, me and my wife have ten kids, and you and your wife have one kid, and yet you're doing just as much work to help feed my family. And suddenly you go, you know what? I don't think I want to work so hard because you're going to get the same kind of thing I'm going to get, but yet I've got all these kids, right? So production went way, way down. When you start introducing capitalism where you say, listen, it's a merit-based meritocracy. You know, if, if you work hard, as long as you've got the opportunity, you work hard, you're going to get better. And sure enough, production went up. Well, and, you know, it's funny you talk about the founding fathers because, I mean, they believe very much in you. If you read any of the original founding, uh, U.S. founding documents, they, there was a phrase that you just don't hear much anymore. It was called economic liberty. Hmm. And, the, and the idea, and because most of our founding fathers were, were people of commerce. Yeah. You know, George Washington, uh, was, what in today's dollars, is worth about $400 million. He, he was one of the largest distillers yeah. in, the, on the, in, the, in the colonies. 
uh, John Hancock, businessman, yeah. uh, Thomas Jefferson, landholder, uh, and farmer. I mean, they, they made their money and, and you know, gov- politicians were not supposed to be a, a profession. It was more of a civic duty. But the reason I bring it up is they bought into, look, the reason we came to this country is that for some reason we were not getting an economic fair shake in the in the old country, whether it's because we're a second son, um, something didn't go our way. But but if you come here, regardless with where you came from, whatever you make is yours. Exactly. No guarantees of success, but we'll let you play the game. So where we've gone from that to where it is now, I participation medals um, just uh, show up and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's sad what's happened, but with that being said, let's also not forget that you talk about Russia being socialistic, you know, the European continent and the UK went down the path of socialism. And I remember I was getting very angry 10 years ago when I would go over there and they would talk about free healthcare, free education, but we were largely paying their defense the United yeah. States was defending them, whether yeah. and 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 you know not to not to get into the Trump stuff, but that no, we need to. Uh, you guys need to start paying for your own defense. Pay your, pay, pay your fair share. Okay, hey guys, uh, we're going to go to our uh, second commercial break here. Second trivia question: What month in 1912 saw the Titanic go down? What month? You know that one. Okay. All right. Call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct answer wins that tanning certificate. Stay with us. Best of Investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Ken Winans. Uh, Second trivia question. What month in 1912 saw the Titanic go down? Okay, I didn't look this up, but I believe the date is April 12th. I believe that is correct. Very good. 40 minutes to go down. And then there's a, there's a quick joke where there were these three prisoners and uh, they asked the uh, first prisoner, um, what year did the Titanic go down? He said, no, 1912. And they asked the next guy, okay, well, how many people died? And there's uh, 1,514. They asked the next prisoner, name them. <laughs> he didn't get out of jail. Okay. Uh, Ken, let's, let's go into uh, a little bit of the, uh, economic, I want to get into commodities because you, you had quite a, actually used to be in the commodities uh, trading floor, didn't you, years ago? I did. I uh, uh, Back in the late 80s, I worked in Chicago at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and was one of those guys that went in what they called the pits. Yep. I, I was an analyst. I worked for a firm and I would tell the traders what I saw mathematically on my screens. They called us propeller heads. We were <laughs> the quant. The, yeah, we were the quants. The quantitative <laughs> analyst. But no, I, so yeah, I love this stuff. But now, now this is what's fun. See, I, uh, and, and, and you know, when we have these, these things happen historically, it's fun. To, and, and I love it when people say, well, this is a black swan event. I don't believe in black swans. I believe what it, when someone says it's black swan, meaning it's never happened before, yeah. you just haven't gone back far enough and looked. Because I just don't, I mean, when you go back and look at people were calling 2008 a black swan recession, I'm saying, uh, no. 
Housing has had other busts before. You guys just didn't go back and look far enough. So anyway, um, the commodities. The reason I think it's important is that if, if you took, and I have a library full of old economic business and investment books, I can find books written, uh, and actually as recent as the 1970s, all the way back, where people would talk about having real estate, stocks, bonds, and commodities in their portfolio. They would have all of them. Today, how many people have commodities in portfolio? Virtually none. And if they do, it's just a little bit of gold, maybe? Yeah, a little, yeah, gold. And, 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 and now they're counting crypto as a commodity, which you might be able to do that. But with that being said, what happened was that when we entered the 80s and inflation came down, commodities also were not a, a prime investment. And mm-hmm. stocks and real estate and bonds took off. Yeah. So people said, well, that's the way. It so here we are, you know, you're going, uh, you know, over 40 years later, yeah. longer. And now we're having to, re- to go back and say, well, what worked in the 1970s or IE and inflation? Well, the number one thing that does well are commodities. And I dare say that housing is commodities of the second degree. When you buy a house, Lumber. What is a house? Yeah, it's a jumble of commodities. It's yeah. cement. It is rebar, lumber, ceramic tiles, copper, marble, and these and and a lot of the housing appreciation during an inflationary cycle. I think it's the invisible hand of economics showing. Well, it would cost more to rebuild this house today. Exactly. And yeah. so a lot of that. It's, so it's. A, I call it a performance mirage. You think it's it's increasing in value higher than it is, but it, it again it's it's just someone's buying that house because they can't build something down the street, so that piece of raw land is going to sit empty because they can't get the materials to buy. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Cost. Well, and then so then you look at something like wheat, which a uh, basic commodity, but with the situation in Ukraine, because they're what thirty percent producers of of the world's wheat. Is that uh, right? U- Ukraine and Russia. They're, they're both huge. Uh, yeah, we, we actually have a harvest. We call it the Russian wheat harvest. It, it's, it's always been a very, very big part of, of uh, food production. So I got to, you know, again, is it too simple to, to say the prices of, of wheat has gone up quite a bit? Uh, just the, the, and, you know, you don't have to necessarily own futures contracts. You could have gone into the wheat exchange traded fund, which is under the symbol WEAT, and it went up 58% in two months. Wow. Yeah. Now, but from Edward, point forward, though. Well, and this is, this is the thing, and this is why, you know, and, and as I go around and I talk to various investment groups, uh, especially a lot of younger people, I'm just saying, look, um, you, there's two camps here. If you are the camp that the inflation thing's going to peter out in a short period of time, then just stay the course you're on. But if you're in my camp, would you say, no, you know, something's fundamentally shifted here. You mm-hmm. know, the, the debts that we've been spending on all the stuff, that the, the chickens come home to roost. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, inflation is the byproduct of too much debt, too much money in the system and all that. If you believe that, then you have to look at things like commodities. And, and so I'm suggesting that people need to, wh- whether they work with an advisor or they're doing it themselves, they need to figure out how can I add commodities to my portfolio? Because quite frankly, if you don't add it, you're going to find that your portfolio will not trade well going, I'm talking your financial assets yeah. will not do well. And, and, and just imagine that, and, and you know, people are a little freaked out about this little volatility we have in the stock market in the first quarter of this year. 
What if you have that for the next three years? No momentum to the upside, just sideways, choppy, Mm -hmm. volatile. People, a lot of people can't wrap their heads around it. So you have to, and I think that could easily happen. Housing is overpriced. Stocks are overpriced. Bonds are overpriced. Commodities are, because again, the Fed goosed the system. They created these bubbles. They didn't mean to, but they did. Well, you mentioned about the about three years. You know, didn't, didn't they call the 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 two thousands the lost decade? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's kind of interesting because Edward, if you look at a chart, I mean, I I'll, I should send it to you for your show and put it on your on your on your website. I have a picture of the nineteen seventies, and it is literally the Dow Industrial Average for the entire decade. It went up, it went down. I mean, it was vacillating all over, but it 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 went up a whopping two percent. Well, 7475 was a terrible. Oh, terrible. It was a 50% correction. 50%. It was awful. But but it was from 75 on, it was just chop. It was a sideways, we call it a range-bound market. Uh, bonds got killed. But even then, housing, it was kind of, I mean, housing does well in the initial phases of inflation. But what happened as rates began to go up, I, and we, we, you know, we all know the phrases in real estate, prices softened. But what it really meant was that actual sales volume nationwide in the last half of the 70s dropped 47%. Well, well, part of it was because people couldn't get a mortgage. Well, that's the thing is if if the interest rates go up way too much, people's paycheck can only go so far to to afford a a mortgage. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because JP Morgan just posted their earnings yesterday. And I I always believe in, look, this country... One of the marbles has been the use of credit, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Okay. All right. We're going to cut to our uh, third trivia question here. This is actually more for the kids. In the Disney movie Robin Hood, what animals play Robin Hood and Maid Marian? You've had to, you had to have seen the, the cartoon, and when I had kids uh, younger, uh, they saw that movie, all right? Call 888-912-1190 to answer this question. In the Disney movie Robin Hood, what animals play Robin Hood and Maid Marian? Stay with us. Best of Investing. We'll be right back. The Best of Investing will continue in a moment on 860 AM. The Answer. Now, back to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown on 860 AM, The Answer. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown, along with Ken Winans here. Uh, third trivia question in the Disney movie, Robin Hood, what animals play Robin Hood and Maid Marian? Not a clue. Foxes. Oh. Foxes. Okay. All right. Um, so, Ken, uh, an email comes in from a listener that seems right up your alley. It says, with the world in such turbulent times, what defensive strategies do you like to employ? Well, I would say turbulent times, and let me add one other caveat to it, in a, in a high-tax situation. Mm-hmm. You have to be very careful because, I mean, as much as it would be easy to say, just sell all my stocks, get me out of real estate, just cash me out. Yeah. That's nice, but then you're looking at an awfully big tax bill. Uh, that would probably be as worse as bad, worse off as the decline. So this is what you have to do. I wrote an article called Fleecing the Golden Geese on, in Forbes. And one of the things I talk about is that you need to uh, increase your knowledge of what to do, especially with a stock portfolio. So if you're worried about there being declines in the market, instead of selling all your stocks, sell a portion of them 
and then hedge your stock portfolio, whether you use stock options or you use some kind of an exchange traded fund that we call inverses, which means they actually go up when the market goes down. So the end result would be if let's say the stock market fell 20%, um, your portfolio might, might only fall 10. You're still gonna go down, but you're not gonna go down as much. But if you had sold everything, your tax bill would have been 25%. And if you're a California resident, tack another eight on to that. That's a pretty big hit to take, even though you were right about the market, but after tax, it's it's like somebody who's talking about uh, cashing out of a piece of real estate versus a 1031. Yeah, you know, you're going to do it. Yeah, you'll have the money, but boy, you're paying a big bill. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a very good, very good point. Um, the thing is, the average person is not going to know how to do this. So how would they get a hold of you if they have questions? Well, the best thing, and, and certainly I'm, I'm proud to announce that we are a five-star ranked Morningstar investment manager. We're actually one of the few managers out there that has five-star rankings in all time frames in multiple categories. Huh. So, the, uh, and, uh, so look up Winans Investments, W-I-N-A-N-S, investmentsplural.com. And there you have our performance record and you have all the, uh, the uh, pertinent facts about my firm and what we do. And we've been around for 30 years and we're independent. So we owe to no big organization. We work for our clients. How much under uh, management do you have right now, AUM? Uh, it, you know, it fluctuates every day, but it, it's somewhere, it, it's, it's, it's just south of 300 million. Okay. So, and we have about 274 clients across the country. I, I have them literally, a lot of them are people who used to live in California who have moved, but I have them all over the country. I mean, that, that tells me that the average investor has a million dollars. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's... Well, and a lot of them, they, you know, many of my clients have family foundations. They have, they run a business. They also have a 401k. So we'll manage the personal money, the, uh, the you know, the personal money, the company money, and any other structure. And many times we work with their kids too. I've been asked to help educate their children about responsible use of wealth. Oh, and certainly. Oh yeah. I'm, I've been put in, my job is, is one of, of knowing people's finances actually better than themselves. <laughs> well, oh yeah. Cause you, uh, I mean, you get, you've written books, you've written for Forbes, you've been on ABC radio. Uh, what haven't you done? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, and, and like you, I was a competitive athlete, so I have that going. But, you know, uh, Edward, you know, I, and I know you're, you guys, you, you screen your guests well. I think that of what I've seen of your shows, you, you find people who truly love what they do. Yeah. And I think that in my case, it, you know, I'm an investor as well. I've started a, a museum. I've donated a lot of money to charities. So, uh, you know, I've been at me and we all wear a lot of different hats, but at the end of the day, it would be impossible to do all those other things if I didn't really enjoy what I did. I mean, I, and, and look, a world like we have right now, the chaos, the, 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 the confusion, uh, somebody has got to be strong in this and that falls upon me to, you know, just as it is with what you and Mark do, uh, you know, you guys are responsible to a lot of investors and you just, you have to just, somebody has to just be strong out there and, hang and certainly hang tough. I mean, one of the good things about having a, an advisor like you is, is the discipline of, uh, you know, when you, when someone is just doing it on their own, they'll make, uh, they'll, they'll make moves that they may not, mm-hmm. that may not be prudent. You I know? totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I mean, 
it's kind of interesting because I have people say, well, you know, it's a new world and people invest on their own. And it's funny in my, in my collection, I have a bro, I have a book. It's called every man is his own broker. <laughs> it was written in 1791. <laughs> this is not new. Again, I don't think anything's new when it comes to money. Nothing's new. Uh, the problem is that, you know, we're, we're doomed to repeat the mistakes as we forget, but no, I no, you're right. And I think it's, um, it's hard because, you know, people and I and in some ways, the technology makes it harder. In the old days, people didn't sit there and stare at their stock portfolios every day. They would get a monthly statement in the mail yeah. today. I, and I caution my clients about this to sit there and stare at your phone on what is going on with. I mean, you, you guys probably run into this with people with Zillow. I mean, you're sitting there staring at what your house is worth on Zillow. What's the point? It will probably stress you out. Sure. Uh, it, you know, in the case of stocks, you, people usually do it when the market's down. And then yeah. they listen to somebody's opinion, whether we can say it's a qualified opinion or not. And, and so I often tell people, that, look, the, the worst thing you can do is to do that. And not to say I don't care about their money, because I obviously do. But at the same time, I'm looking at it as a portfolio, not an individual. And I try to make logical decisions. And by the way, I make mistakes, too. I mean, every time I ever buy a stock and it loses money, I've made a mistake. Sure. Uh, you have to go back and say, well, what happened there? But no, we, but I would say this. Um, we have been very lucky for the last 30 years that basically any person could go out there and buy some stock index fund and do most of the time do pretty well. Okay. Uh, so, you know what? And there's an old saying, don't confuse brains with a bull market. I'm saying that people are now going to have to really educate themselves on what it takes to be a tough investor in this new environment. And because now mistakes will not easily disappear. Uh, you won't easily make up mistakes. Well, it's, it's knowing when to sell is kind of the big thing. Oh, sure. and, and you mentioned 1791. Isn't that about when the stock market started? <laughs> well, actually, no, the stock market, if you go back to uh, stocks, go back to the 1600s, actually, the Dutch, my ancestors. Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, Zildjian uh, for uh, the, the ones who make the sim symbols. Uh -huh. 1666, I think, was the first cor corporate one. Well, then what was the first? Uh, what was the first corporation? Trivia question. So uh, the East, uh, the, it's, uh, the, East the, the Dutch East Indies, the Dutch oh. East Indies Corporation. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it was a very, and they figured out what you know. Uh, we need to raise money. Bring in many people. It was, I mean, brilliant what came out of uh, finance. And interestingly enough, a lot of the inventions that came out of actually came out of the Great Plagues. Uh, you know, you had smaller populations. You had to be smart about how you deployed capital and how to do things because you had fewer people. So, yeah, it's it's funny how of crisis a necessity you, you breed invention. Wow. Very fascinating. Uh, before we get to our uh, break, we don't have a trivia question. Give out your information one more time if people have questions. So it, so my name is Ken Winans. Uh, if you are looking for my books, you can find them on Amazon.com, and you can get them in digital or um a print version. My company is called Winans Investments. Uh, and certainly I know the old, the, on your website, Edward, you'll have a, a link to mine. Uh, then last but not least, if you're looking for my Forbes articles, just enter my name, Ken Winans, under the Forbes uh, search engine, and you'll come up with all my articles. And I write about once a quarter. Very good. All right. Stay with us. Best of Investing will be back with some closing comments. Don't touch that now. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. 
More in a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. You're listening to The Best of Investing on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my special guest, Ken Winans. All right, Ken, now we were talking about all some crazy bad stuff going on, but give us some good news. Uh, well, good news is, well, first off, uh, we, we still are near all the great wine in Northern California. So yes. you and I can still, and uh-huh. wine prices, at least for now, are still right. Okay, so that's some good news. Okay, no, no, there, there is some good news. Uh, and it is that, A, there are ways you can make money in this environment. Okay, we talked about commodities. We talked about certainly there's areas of real estate and real estate uh, uh, investments you can go into. So don't just sitting around and being in a funk about it doesn't help you. Get smart, learn. But let's talk about some positives. Okay, midterm elections. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of talk about taxes going up. I I don't think they are, actually. I think that there, when I was back in Washington last September, uh, even the Democrats acknowledged they probably were not going to keep both houses of Congress. I mean, even they admitted that with with all that's happened, (laughs) there's just no way. Uh, And so I actually think that we are going to go back to two party government. Uh, you know, and, and, and nothing that is punitive or overly punitive is going to get passed. I think there's going to be a shakeup in Sacramento as well. I think that there's going to be between the state Senate and the assembly, there could be some real shift. People are pissed. Yeah. They're really pissed off. And I think that it, regardless of what party they're a member of, they're yeah. willing to more so now than before jump aside. So that's positive. Number two, the dollar. Believe it or not, the dollar is actually holding up really, really well through this. I was this surprised at that. Yeah. Is it well, just, it, well, it's based on alternatives, right? I mean, you look at other currencies, isn't that kind of how it works? Yeah. I mean, would you really want to sell your dollars and buy euro right now with Russia on your back door? Or how about China with their real estate bubbles blowing up all over the place? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Japan's got worse debt problems than we have. So, yeah, you're really kind of left with, I think the dollar will continue to be the base currency for a good part of the time. So as long as that happens, that means that um, it doesn't mean inflation is not a problem. But if you start having the dollar go down versus other currencies in the world, that means that fewer people will be able to buy our debt, which means rates could even go higher on the long end of the curve. So that's positive. That buys us some time to try to figure out what to do with this thing. But you know what? The other positive um, you just get the sense, you know, with the post-COVID world, people are just now, they're trying to reset their careers. They, I mean, people in our age group are saying, you know, I know we talked about early retirement. Now with the inflation thing, I want to go back to work. So I think companies will actually have better access to some qualified people that will allow them to, to deal with this labor shortage. So I see a lot of positives going on there that I think could make the economy not be great, but at least be better than, than a full-blown recession. Well, that's what I couldn't understand about the, the, the shortage. It's, and I think what, what ended up happening was when the government pays you not to work, it's hard to get people to come back to work. Well, and, and people want to make more money. And I think companies are willing to pay talent more money. But the key word there is talent. They need, yeah. they need productivity. Uh, I am concerned, you know, again, when we talk about inflation, uh, part of it is, is you've got to have productivity of your workers. And if we want to get inflation under control, you've got to see the productivity numbers climb where, where people are very efficient and effective at what they do professionally. And that includes government. Well, do you think California is going to pass that uh, four-day work week? 
I'll tell you what, I've already had some of my, my clients have told me that the, they're already, I mean, they've been looking for a reason to move their headquarters. Yeah. And if they do that, they'll move their headquarters. So I was going to say, if they made it four day weeks that were 10 hour days, that would actually be okay for like traffic and all that. Cause a lot of people don't mind putting four 10 hour days in, but if they're going to limit it to that, uh, you know, eight hours, I mean, you just basically, you just can't get enough uh, productivity. Out well, and also just go look and see how well limiting uh, work has been for Europe. Yeah. You know, many countries yeah. in Europe have experimented. So that's the thing that troubles me. You do have people in Washington that want us to look like Europe, even though Europe is a train wreck economically. I know. At least it's, it's hard to something that's good. No, yeah, I mean, not I, you, you shake your head. Yeah. All right. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Here's our, we're going to cut out. Here's our thoughts for the day. How do you kill a circus? You go for the jugular. Okay. Juggle, juggler, I guess is really the word. I thought you were going to say unionize. I thought unionize, that might be yes. circus too. Yeah. And um, I used to have a fear of hurdles, but I got over it. All right. Tune in next week to the best of investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes and having more dad jokes and answering more trivia questions and asking more trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown. wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to the best of investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190 or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on 860 AM. The answer. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.